And if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, that's page 970 in the church Bibles. That's where we find uh, the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be looking at uh, verse 11 this evening, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, which says, Give us today our daily bread. During the October half term, uh, my family uh, went to the Birmingham back-to-backs. And if you don't know what they are, the Birmingham back-to-backs are uh, houses that have been restored in the middle of the city centre of Birmingham. And they're houses where people uh, used to live um, up to really the 1960s and 70s. And they were houses that are, well, back, back to back. So there was a house one side and a house backed onto it. And they were just uh, either three stories, usually two stories up. And it was where uh, really the working classes would live. And as we went there, we saw uh, three different ages uh, of houses. We saw the early uh, Victorians, the mid-Victorians, and the late Victorians to early 20th century. And when we were there, we uh, saw the brew house, which is not where they made their beer, but actually where they did their washing. Uh, And we saw how hard it was to do uh, the washing with the plunger and the rack and all those kind of things. They had no washing machines or anything of the kind. We saw how they would cook on the the range uh, cookers and how hard it would have been with the lack of space uh, to do that. We saw how overcrowded these houses were. They were small houses with large families, and even those large families were taking lodgers, and rather than hiring out a room, they would rent out a bed that would be shared by some stranger in the room with, with all of the family. Uh, most people only had two sets of clothes, one for Sunday, one for the rest of the week, and they would have their wash uh, once a week, depending on when they could get hot water from the brew house. Uh, we looked at the toilets. I'm not going to go too much into detail, but you can imagine they weren't the most pleasant of things we saw. We went from the back-to-backs, uh, really amazed at how people lived, but also how little people really needed. They didn't have a lot. They didn't have even a lot of food. Even if they did have a lot of food, they couldn't even cook it uh, on the range because the range would have been too small uh, compared to the kitchens that we have today. As we were coming out of the back-to-backs, my children asked if they could go to a couple of shops to which we agreed. And we went, therefore, just a couple of minutes' walk across the road to the boring And the juxtaposition of the back-to-backs and the boring was quite something to behold. We went from a place where you realize that people don't need very much to a place that is telling me I need everything all the time. Not one thing in the boring shopping center that I was told that I need would they have needed in those back-to-backs all those years ago. In fact, if you'd have asked those people what they needed there wouldn't be anything in the boring, I think, that they would say, I really need that. And as you walk around the boring, especially in the lead up to Christmas, the shops and the advertisers are extremely skilled at telling me I need all sorts of things that I really just don't need. There was even a car in the middle of the boring, and they told me I need this car. 
I went past uh, a computer shop that told me I needed a new computer, even though mine works fine at the moment. My card doesn't, but that's another story. But the, my computer works just fine. I have a phone that I can make phone calls from and text messages from, but I need a new phone because they're telling me I need a new phone. We went to the toy shops and, God, we need so many toys that I'd never even heard of, but I need those things. At least I'm told I need those things. And you know what I mean, don't you? We are told all the time, I need, I need, I need. But when you go to the back-to-backs, you realize, I don't need very much at all. And this evening, as we come to the Lord's Prayer, we pray this petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And I suppose the challenge for us is how do we pray this? Do we, do we need to pray this? Do we spiritualize it and say, well, God's provided Jesus, so really for us that's what this means? Well, I suppose partly there is a truth in that. Jesus has been provided for us. Jesus is the bread of life. And we'll see uh, as we come to the Lord's table after the service that, that that is true. But almost all commentators agree that this petition refers really to our physical needs. So how do we pray this in a boring culture. For most of us in this room, I'm sure, do not live like they lived in the back-to-backs. We live more like in the boring, with more than we could ever need. But all over the world, there are people that still do live in great poverty and in great need. Do we pray this prayer differently? Is it a different kind of uh, Lord's Prayer for those people than it is for us? Well, the challenge I want to give this evening is actually the petition is the same for all of us. And as we unpack uh, the Lord's Prayer tonight with this petition, I want us to go away with a sense that I need to pray, give us this day our daily bread. We come to a new section here in the Lord's Prayer. Over the last number of weeks, we've looked at the first three (coughs) petitions following our Father. We have, uh, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Those uh, first three petitions talk to our Father as Lord, as our Master, as the one who is in control of our lives, our King. But these next three petitions refer to our Father as our Saviour, the one who we need to provide for us, the one who we are dependent on. And what is it that we need? Well, if you were to be asked, what are your top three needs in your life? I wonder what you would say. Perhaps you would say the perfect partner, financial security, the perfect body shape, or any other number of things. But what is God's top three? What does our Father, who is our Savior, tell us to pray for above all else? Well, he tells us to pray for daily bread, for forgiveness of sins, and for divine guidance. They are our top needs. They are what we need more than anything else. Daily bread, forgiveness of sins, and divine guidance. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each of those things. And it's amazing, isn't it, to think that we've got, we go from uh, the, the, the majesty of the will of God to bread on our table. Peter Lewis, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, says that we move from infinities and immensities 
to the weekly shop and the loaf on the table. But the wonderful truth is that this awesome God that we have looked at, that we pray that his name would be, whose name would be hallowed and whose kingdom would come and whose will would be done, cares for each of our individual needs, even, yes, our daily bread. He cares for our daily bread and he cares for the daily bread of his people all over the world. He has done throughout time when people lived in back-to-backs, when people are in poverty today, and even for us who have so much. So how do we pray this? Well, we're going to see three things. As we look at this verse, it breaks down into three parts with three words that we're going to look at. The first word is dependence, which is give us. The second word is trust, which is this day. And the third word is contentment, our daily bread. So firstly, give us. We pray in dependence and not self-sufficiency. We pray in dependence and not in self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency in our Western culture is a real virtue, isn't it? If you are a self-made man or woman, you are really something. If you haven't got to be uh, reliant on anybody else, you are applauded. If you don't have to uh, receive any benefits, you announce it, don't you? And, you, and people are apl- applaud that and think it's a wonderful thing that you are self-made. People are amazed at stories of people that rise to the top, maybe from rags to riches. You've heard those stories. And there's much to be said for those people. But the reality is that nobody really is self-sufficient. The reality is different because everybody really depends on God because everything we have is from the Lord. Everything we have is from the Lord. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift comes from above. Every good gift. Some of you may say, well, hold on a minute. I, I earn my own money. I work. So, so I, I earn it. It's mine. I give it. I, I, I have it for myself. But really, that's not true either. Some may not act that, but may, uh, sorry, some may not say that, but some people act as if they are not dependent but self-sufficient. I earn my own money. I work hard. It's good to work hard, but we must recognize that this also is from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is speaking to the Israelites before they go into the promised land. They have had to depend on God, as we saw in Exodus 16, throughout the whole of their time in the wilderness. For 40 years, they depended on God to provide them every day with manna. And they were about to go into the promised land where God was not going to give them manna anymore. They would have the produce of the land. And there was a danger that in that prosperity, they would say, I have done this myself. Well, look at what God warns them in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 17 and 18. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. 
It is God who provides the work. It is God who provides the health in order that we work. If you are unable to work and rely on others to help you, it is God who provides those other people to help you. It is God who provides those other people to work to help you. All we have, every good gift, comes from above. None of us can say, my power and my strength have given me this wealth. Everything, even the ability to get wealth, comes from the Lord. We are dependent and we are not self-sufficient. And so we pray to God, independence, give us this day our daily bread. So when we pray this prayer, we are acknowledging to God, I am dependent on you for all I have. I am thankful to God for the way that you have provided for me. I am thankful for everything because everything is from God. There are three ways, uh, I think, in Scripture that God provides for our physical needs. And when we talk about daily bread here, uh, yes, we're talking of food, but I think we can sum up all of our physical needs within this petition. So needs of warmth, needs of shelter, needs of health, and all those things can be included as well. How does God provide for them? Well, first of all, God provides through work. God provides through work. I think uh, I'm right in saying that the normative way that God provides for our needs is for providing work for us. We may prefer God to provide supernaturally like the manna, but normally God provides for us through work. Before the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve worked. They had to tend the garden and keep it. It was work. At that point, work was easy for them and it was enjoyable for them, but they had to work. It was part of the design of God's creation. But after the fall, when Adam and Eve had sinned in Genesis chapter 3, we read the curse to Adam. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So in the beginning, after the, uh, it was good, enjoyable work, but after the fall, it was hard work. If you enjoy your job, it's a bonus, because work is part of the curse. From this point on, work would be hard, but it was still God's ordained means of receiving food. And all through the scriptures, we see people working for a living. The early patriarchs of the Bible were, uh, worked in agriculture. They were farmers. Uh, King David was a shepherd. The disciples, were fish- some of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Paul, the apostle, was a tent maker. And Jesus himself was a carpenter. Paul, uh, the tent maker, he urges the Thessalonian church to not be idle. They thought they didn't need to work because Jesus is coming back any moment. So let's give up work and and be lazy. He said to them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Work and food are tied together. Uh, Derek Prime in his book on the Lord's Prayer says the same thing. Daily work is the means God has ordained for us to obtain our daily bread. This also includes those who are retired and have used their money from work in order to be able to retire. We are totally dependent on God to work. So when we pray 
give us this day our daily bread. We can ask God to either provide us with work. We can thank God for work. We can ask God to help us be the best we can be in our work. But it's God who provides the work for us. But of course, not everyone is able to work. And so in God's grace, God also provides for those too. The second way that God provides for his people is through other people. Notice that this petition, like all the others, is plural. Give us this day our daily bread. And so God provides one another to help one another in our needs. And God gives generously to us, not so that we can hoard his gifts, but in order that we can share his gifts. Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says, The generous will themselves. Disciples were fishers, some of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Paul, the apostle, was a tent maker. And Jesus himself was a carpenter. Paul, uh, the tent maker, he urges the Thessalonian church to not be idle. They thought they didn't need to work because Jesus is coming back any moment. So let's give up work and, and be lazy. He said to them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Work and food are tied together. Uh, Derek Prime, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, says the same thing. Daily work is the means God has ordained for us to obtain our daily bread. This also includes those who are retired and have used their money from work in order to be able to retire. We are totally dependent on God to work. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we can ask God to eat. Disciples were fishers, some of them were fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector. Paul, the apostle, was a tent maker. And Jesus himself was a carpenter. Paul, uh, the tent maker, he urges the Thessalonian church to not be idle. They thought they didn't need to work because Jesus is coming back any moment. So let's give up work and, and be lazy. He said to them in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 8, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Work and food are tied together. Uh, Derek Prime, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, says the same thing. Daily work is the means God has ordained for us to obtain our daily bread. This also includes those who are retired and have used their money from work in order to be able to retire. We are totally dependent on God to work. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we can ask God to either provide us with work, we can thank God for work, we can ask God to help us be the best we can be in our work. But it's God who provides the work for us. But of course, not everyone is able to work. And so in God's grace, God also provides for those too. The second way that God provides for his people is through other people. Notice that this petition, like all the others, is plural. Give us this day our daily bread. And so God provides one another to help one another in our needs. And God gives generously to us, 
not so that we can hoard his gifts, but in order that we can share his gifts. Proverbs 22 and verse 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. We are to give to those in need and pray for opportunities to do so. And we need to pray for wisdom in who we give to, for there are so many needs that we could give to, it's right that we pray and ask God for his help as to where we give. In our nation, uh, we have a government that gives to people who are out of work and who have children. And regardless of the politics of that, it doesn't matter what you think, it is still God who provides the money to those who receive through providing to those who give through taxes and so on. But a government who, does, uh, who gives does not mean that we as the church ought not to give as well. And in a, as a people that has a lot of bread, we should be generous with those who do not have a lot. We are to pray for daily bread in order that we can give. We give to our families, to our church, to missions, and to the poor. But we are to pray for daily bread that we can give to others. And so if you receive uh, from the government, thank God, not just for a government that provides, but for God who is the one who ultimately provides. So when we, we pray this, we pray that we can provide for others. So we are provided for through work, we're provided for through other people. And finally, uh, God sometimes in the scriptures and in our lives provides supernaturally for us. There are numerous examples in scripture of God providing miraculously for people. Elijah, the prophet, is a good example. You may remember the story of Elijah. He was fed uh, in drought by ravens and, and drank from the brook. And when he ran out, he went to a widow who had just a a small jar uh, of of, uh, flour and oil left. And he said, asked her to to help him. And as she did, he uh, was, they were provided for continually. That jar of oil and that flour never ran out uh, for Elijah and that widow. We've seen the manna in Exodus chapter 16 of God miraculously providing for his people. Jesus fed 5,000 with uh, loaves of bread, a few loaves of bread and some small fish. Now, it's not the normal way of God providing, but there are times when uh, God provides in special ways for his people. You just need to read some uh, great biographies of Christian missionaries to see God providing in amazing supernatural ways. We were reading about brother, uh, in our family Brother Andrew over this last year, and you read the story of Brother Andrew and you see God providing in miraculous ways. One of my absolute heroes is George Muller. You read his biography, you see God providing in miraculous ways for him to uh, be able to feed those orphans that he was helping. There are times in scripture and in our lives where God provides supernaturally. But you will find that God provides in supernatural ways for those who are the most generous of people. God provides in supernatural ways like he did with Muller in order that we can give to others as well. And when the manna was from heaven, it was so important in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we read that, that, they, rem- that they remembered that. 
so that they did not forget that it's God who provides. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, God carries on talking about this time in the wilderness. It says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All that we have is from God. We are absolutely dependent on him. And we forget that so easily in our Western culture where we have so much. First of all, in this petition, we acknowledge our dependence on God. Not our bank accounts, not our bosses at work, not our government, not our spouse, but God. And as we do that, one of the ways we pray this is to say grace before our meals, isn't it? We, we, we pray in thanksgiving before we eat, and that's a good thing to do. But just as a warning as you pray in thanksgiving before your meals, let it not just become a formality. It can be so easy to pray the same things without thinking about what we're praying. Let's be purposeful in thanking God for the food that's before us. It's a good thing to do, a good time to stop. But we need to make sure we do it not just as a formality, but as a real time of thanksgiving to God. But secondly, uh, first we acknowledge our dependence on God, but secondly, this prayer should cause us to think of others and be generous with what we do have. Let's share our food with others. Let's open our homes. Let's give our money. Let's be wise in how we do so. Let's do so prayerfully. Let us be a, a generous people who God has given so much to It's interesting as we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that we're praying for others as well. And when we said, uh, your kingdom come, I said that as we pray for others to come to faith, it's God that will send us, we've got to be prepared to go and tell others about Jesus. And in the same way, as we pray for others to be provided for, as we do so from an abundance, Let us be prepared as we pray to be the ones God sends to give to those that are in need. Let us not just pray that God would send someone else, but be prepared to go in God's strength through prayer ourselves. But for some, give us this day our daily bread is all the more urgent because some do not pray from affluence. There are many people all over the world that pray this prayer from real poverty. Do they pray differently? Well, I think the principle is the same. I don't think that we are less dependent on God because we have so much than people who have so little are. And I say this carefully, but it's true that those who have so little, in a spiritual sense, can be so much richer. For when they pray this prayer... They know that they are dependent on God. We can forget it so easily. But one question that came to my mind as, we, uh, as I was preparing this was, what about those who don't have enough bread, even when they do pray? Is that God not answering the prayer, give us this day our daily bread? Well, I think that as we look at the ways that God provides, I think we see the answer. First of all, God provides, we've said, through work. Some people don't have what they need because they are lazy. Proverbs chapter 24 and verses 33 and 34 says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, 
and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs talks much about laziness and poverty. If we're not prepared to work, we can't expect God to just miraculously provide us with daily bread. If we are lazy, the Bible says normally we will come to poverty. Secondly, God provides other people, but often it's not the fact that God hasn't provided enough, but it's that we are not sharing enough. There is enough food on this planet to feed everybody, but as a people, we are not that good at sharing it. I think the lack of uh, provision says more about our failure in giving or in corrupt government than it does about God the provider. But what about the supernatural provision? Why doesn't God just pour bread from heaven to those who are in need? Well, that's a difficult question to answer, but I would just say this. Sometimes God calls people home, even through hunger, to heaven where there is abundant provision for all eternity. The manna in the wilderness stopped when the people reached the promised land where they had milk and honey. And when we get to heaven, we won't just have daily bread. We'll have an abundance of provision, more than we could ever imagine, forever. I think that in our Western culture, we have lost something of this dependence, haven't we? In our gaining of affluence, we've lost the idea that we are absolutely dependent on God. And the plea to give us is a callback to dependence on the Father who is our Saviour. So we learn dependence, but following on from this, we also learn trust. We pray for this day. We pray in trust, not in anxiety. When the petition moves on to this day, it's talking about the present, the right now. We can't ask God to provide for the past, it's gone. In the same chapter of Matthew, Jesus says not to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. We are to pray, therefore, for today. And a lot of what we worry about is to do with our material needs. Often we worry about holding on to things tomorrow that we don't even need today. And we're anxious and worried that we'll lose things. But here we're called to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I remember when um, my child, uh, Lydia was really young, uh, I lost her in Tesco's. I couldn't find her anywhere. And I was in a panic. I thought, you know, you, you, you make up these stories of what's happened to Lydia in Tesco's. I was so concerned and so worried about where she was. And I prayed. Did I pray in trust? No. I was so worried about what had happened. I was really just praying, God, rather than praying, Lord, help me to find her, I was praying, Lord, may this not have happened to her. She was playing hide and seek as it happens, and we found her quite quickly. But I prayed, not in trust, but in anxiety. But isn't that often how we pray so often? We pray in worry, not in trust. And in telling us to give us this day, the coming day, we're saying to God, I trust you for today to provide for me, and I'll leave tomorrow till tomorrow. Prayer should be the, the cure for anxiety. When we are worried, we should pray. And Paul writes those familiar words to Philippians at uh, the Philippian church in chapter 4. He, <clears throat> it says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. 
Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. This is what it means by daily bread. It's like uh, Goldilocks and the three bears. We pray for what is just right. Just right. We don't pray for too much. We don't pray for too little. We pray for what is just right. And as I was looking at this, it, it dawned on me that sometimes it can be right to even pray for less. It can be right to pray for less. If we have too much and therefore dishonor the Lord, we pray for less. But I would say to you that the answer to this prayer is not financial collapse, but it's to be giving more. The antidote to greed is generosity. And we need to beware, be very aware of the danger of having too much. Having too much desensitizes us to the dependence we have on God and withholds provision for others to whom we should be sharing with. This is the prayer of this man in Proverbs. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. One of my favorite quotes I read about uh, this petition was from a man called Richard Cokin. He wrote a really good book on the Lord's Prayer, and he talked about these verses, and he says that we need to have a balance. He says, whilst we are not bread-rejecting ascetics, an ascetic is someone that uh, just rejects anything that's good and, is, and, and never has anything nice at all, so when, whilst not uh, being bread-rejecting ascetics, we are also not cake-demanding hedonists. And I thought that was a good, a good quote. We are not bread-rejecting ascetics. We are also not cake-demanding hedonists. Just right is neither asceticism, where we have uh, nothing, nor is it hedonism, where we think that pleasure is everything. And Paul talks in Philippians about learning to abound as well as learning to be in need. But he goes on to talk about being content. And in praying for daily bread, we are praying, especially in the boring of our Western culture, that God would grant us contentment in a society that is just so covetous. Advertisements are so excellent at telling us what we don't need. And I was listening this week to some sermons uh, from Ecclesiastes. And if you want to read a book that speaks into the covetousness of society today, read Ecclesiastes. It's the man Uh, who had everything, writing his diary of his life and realizing that it's all meaningless. And the preacher who was uh, talking on that passage says that uh, we, we, we should go and meditate at the dump. He says, go and meditate at the dump. Because all the stuff that we work so hard for and that we worked so hard for is all there. All those TVs that at the time were the, the latest thing, they were great. They're at the dump. I see computers that that used to be really fast. They're at the dump. All the things we work for end up at the dump. And it's true. If we go and meditate there and just think, it should hopefully give us a good view of what we should be striving for, what we should be praying for. We need to pray that God would deliver us from covetousness and grant us contentment. Paul says to Timothy, Uh, But godliness with contentment is great gain. 
And as we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we should be examining what we need. Uh, I remember when we um, had our table talk on stewardship, uh, Tim uh, spoke uh, on how we should look not just on how much money um, we, 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 we can store up, but how much we really need to live on and then giving away the rest. John Wesley was one that did that very thing. When he started out in his ministry, John Wesley earned the equivalent today of about £20,000. But when he ended his ministry, with all of his writings, he was earning about £700,000. But he never stopped living on £20,000 and he gave it all away. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And imagine what could be done for the kingdom of God through Christians who were content with what God gave them for their needs. Paul continues in 1 Timothy chapter 6 by saying if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And as we pray this, we need to ask that God would grant us contentment with what we have. For when we are content with what we have, we have what we need. When we are content with what we have, we have what we need. And let's pray that we'll be content with what God has given us. This does not condemn iPhones or anything else. It condemns covetousness. It condemns spending our existence always wanting more stuff that ends up at the dump. And when we pray for our daily bread, we pray that God would give us contentment with what we need and we know that we will have cake in heaven. A number of people here uh, tell us uh, that God provides for our needs, not our greeds. And I agree with them, but only to a point. Because I think that God often gives us what we ask for. And I sometimes think that we get what we ask for, and sometimes it isn't always a good thing. Sometimes we can have uh, so much, and it's a curse. If God gives us what we really want, it can be a curse to us, because we forget the Lord. Romans 1 is an example where God gives people over in judgment to what they want. And if you want to spend your life striving for more and more and more stuff, you may well get that. But that isn't a blessing. It's a curse. Contentment is the true blessing from God. So in terms of applying this very practically into our prayer lives, here's a few pointers in Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. Pray over your budget and ask God to show you what you really need and for wisdom over what you give. Before you purchase items uh, that is not food or clothing or household bills, perhaps ask God uh, and, and pray about it. Consider if it's a wise purchase or not, rather than just buying stuff for the sake of it. Be honest about this. Don't just justify yourself to God, but let him speak to you. We need to give thanks in prayer for what we have, both spiritually in Christ and materially from God. We need to pray for contentment. We need to pray for others all over the world who are in need, thinking of others, And we need to also pray that God would provide for them, maybe through us. Thinking of others in need also puts our own needs into perspective. And finally, uh, as we pray, let's meditate on the fact 
that treasures in heaven are what really last. And all the physical needs that we have now will one day not be needed for us at all. Brothers and sisters, we need to live radical lives of generosity for the kingdom of God. Let's pray for our daily bread, for one another, both here and across the world. And in doing so, let's pray in dependence, not self-sufficiency, in trust, not anxiety, and in contentment, not covetousness. And as we do so, we pray that God's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray together now.